0: Volunteer for the San Francisco Food Bank, the San Francisco Food Bank relies on volunteers like you to help sort, package and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. This support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 43.5 million pounds of food this year, enough for 93,000 meals every day. But they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer again www.sffoodbank.org sffoodbank.org slash volunteer to find out how you can help
1: on Amazon
2: are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts are ye on a raft without a pattern well gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm from there you can captain your own pirate ship
3: now if you want higher wages let me tell you what to do you got to talk to the workers in the shop with you you got to build you a union got to make it strong but if you all stick together boys it won't be long you get shorter hours better working conditions vacations with pay take a kid to the seashore It ain't quite this simple, so I better explain just why you got to ride on the union train. Cause if you wait for the boss to raise your pay, we'll all be awaiting till judgment day. We'll all be buried, gone to heaven. St. Peter will be the straw boss then. Now you know you're underpaid, but the boss says you ain't. He speeds up the work till you're about to faint. You may be down and out, but you ain't beaten. You can pass out a leaflet and call him eating, talk it over. Speak your mind, decide to do something about it. Of course, the boss may persuade some poor damn fool to go to your meeting and act like a stool, but you can always tell a stool, though, that's a fact. He's got a yaller streak running down his back. He doesn't have to stool, he'll always get along on what he takes out of blind men's cups. You got a union now, and you're sitting pretty. Put some of the boys on the steering committee. The boss won't listen when one guy squawks, but he's got to listen when the union talks. He'd better be mighty lonely. Everybody decide to walk out on him. Suppose they're working you so hard it's just outrageous And they're paying you all starvation wages You go to the boss and the boss would yell Before I raise you pay, I'd see you're all in hell Well he's puffing a big cigar, feeling mighty slick Cause he thinks he's got your union licked Well he looks out the window and what does he see But a thousand pickets and they all agree he's a bastard Unfair! Slave driver, Betty beats his wife Now boys, you've come to the hardest time The boss will try to bust your picket line He'll call out the police, the National Guard They'll tell you it's a crime to have a union card They'll raid your meeting, they'll hit you on the head They'll call every one of you A damn red unpatriotic Japanese spies Sabotaging national defense But out at Ford, here's what they found. And out at Vultee, here's what they found. And out at Alice Chalmers, here's what they found. And down at Bethlehem, here's what they found. That if you don't let red-baiting break you up, and if you don't let stool pigeons break you up, and if you don't let vigilantes break you up, and if you don't let race hatred break you up, you'll win. What I mean, take it easy, but take it.
4: Good morning to you all. Welcome to Labor and Love. This is Mutiny Radio, 2781 Florida and 21st Twenty-first Street at Florida, in the heart of the mission. And our show this morning, every morning, every Saturday from 10 to 12 is Labor and Love Radio. show that tells you how it is if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get If you don't have a seat at the at the table the negotiating table that is where you work you're on the menu never never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and love radio where the labor meets the road. Come on down to mutiny radio and find your voice from nominal fee. you can have your own show two hours a week and tell everybody how it is. We've got art installations. We've got the or aforementioned radio, we've got video shows. Mutiny Radio is also the headquarters for the underground comedy scene here in San Francisco. Here in Year Out, we host a comedy festival with comics from all over the country coming to do their work. And you can come during the week for open mic. An audience of other comedians, comics, will listen to your work, and they'll criticize it supportively, how you can improve. It's all here, it's all here down at Mutiny Radio, which is a community arts center And what do we got for you today? Well, let's see. What did we just play? Let's go over that. We started out with Pete Seeger and a union song called Talkin' Union, out of his days uh, with the CIO. After that, we had a nice upbeat tune, Stompin' at the Savoy by Benny Goodman. The Savoy Ballroom at that time in the late 30s and early 40s was one of the few places in the country where whites and blacks could dance together on the same floor and with one another, stomping at the Savoy. And of course we finish with Etta James. Etta James with... The working-class blues, made famous, of course, by T-Bone Walker, but sung with such feeling by Edda. They call it Stormy Monday, but Tuesday's just as bad. Welcome, then. See what we got for you today. What's going on in the world, the world of work, which is the world? Retaliation can't stop growing Starbucks union. This is on uh, labor notes, April 20th, 2022. Amazon labor union guns for second win. They'll begin voting on Monday, less than a month after a warehouse in the borough became the first e-commerce giant's U.S. locations to unionize. Radio Labor, our worldwide labor report. Labor history in two minutes. What happened on this date and during this week in history with workers? Another feature on Amazon, Amazon lashes back. Staten Island warehouse. And then a feature on the 1912 San Diego free speech fight by the International Workers of the World. What is Steve Young? Iconic 49er quarterback Steve Young have to say about a CTE death of X-49er teammate, Greg Clark. What could he say? And uh, so much more. Okay? Let's get on right now with our Radio Labor.
5: This is Solidarity News on Radio
6: Labor.
7: This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, April 22nd, 2022. I will help you. In the report this week, the Arthur Svenson International Prize for Trade Union Rights is award. The plight of informal workers in the Philippines. The Labor Start report about union events and singing.
6: I belong, you belong, we belong to the union.
7: This is Radio Labor. An exiled Labour leader and his union have been recognized for their struggles.
0: Marie Ainsborough reports. The Arthur Svensson Prize for Trade Union Rights is awarded annually by the Norwegian Union Industry Energy. Perhaps because Norway is the country which awards the Nobel Peace Prize, it has been called the Labour Movement's Nobel Prize. The award consists of about 50,000 euros, half of which goes to the recipient and half to help the work the organisation or individual is supporting.
8: My name is Espen Løkken. I am a secretary of the Arthur Svensson International Prize for Trade Union Rights. This is a prize to promote and strengthen trade unions and trade union rights internationally. And it has been awarded each year since 2010. The prize is presented to a person or organisation that has worked predominantly to promote trade union rights and or strengthen trade union organizing around the world. And each year's award is based on nominations from trade unions all over the world. And I'm very happy to announce that the Arthur Svensson Prize this year goes to the Liberian Trade Union for Health Workers, NAWUL and its leader, George Poe Williams. I will read from the Prize Committee's justification. Uh, George and Nawool received the award for their fight for basic trade union rights for a group of workers who have been particularly vulnerable during the pandemics that have hit Liberia in recent years. During the Ebola pandemic in Liberia, health workers had very poor working conditions. 10% of health workers lost their lives. At the same time as the world has applauded the health workers' fight against COVID-19, health workers in Liberia have lacked protective equipment, received low wages, and their right to organize has been attacked The union, Nawool, and their leader, Williams, have fought for the health workers' right to organize and bargain. They saw that a strong union was needed to improve the working conditions of the health workers. The government of Liberia has seen the union's growth as a threat, and Williams and several of the leaders were fired from their jobs After a global campaign, Williams and his colleagues got their jobs back and Nawool was promised a number of of improvements and that the union would get the right to bargain. But in 2020, the health workers took action and the authorities threatened to send security forces against them and imprison Williams. Williams was abroad at the time and has since been in exile. Several government employees and shop stewards have been harassed and some even killed. We hope that the award of the prize will put pressure on the Liberian authorities to recognize Nahul and Williams as representatives of the health workers in the country with a right to negotiate on behalf of their members. But first, Williams must return safely from exile and have the opportunity to lead the health workers further. And lastly, the award will contribute to Nauvoo's campaign for better health services and better working conditions for health workers in the country. And the award should also be seen as a recognition of health workers around the world. They have had very demanding working conditions during the pandemic. The award ceremony will be in Oslo in Norway, The 15th of June.
7: Two billion workers, more than 60% of the world's adult labor force, work in the informal economy. They work in precarious jobs, which are often dangerous. Their plight was the focus of a recent podcast by the International Labor Organization. The ILO is the UN-specialized agency focused on matters of work in the world.
9: Hello and welcome to this edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I'm Steve Needham at the ILO Regional Office for Asia and the Pacific in Bangkok. Here in Thailand, if you see someone selling food by the road, working in the fields, building a house, Chances are they're working in the informal economy. They're certainly not alone. Recent ILO figures point to more than 60% of the world's adult labour force and some 2 billion workers operating in the informal economy. The informal economy is often characterised by unsafe and unhealthy working conditions, low or irregular incomes and long working hours. Workers in the informal economy are not recognised, registered, regulated or protected under labour legislation and social protection. The consequences are severe, both at the individual, family, and national level. Despite major efforts over the years, there are few signs of the informal economy shrinking in size. In fact, the COVID-19 pandemic has pushed more workers into informal work to survive. To talk about this, I'm joined today by Susanita Babes-Tesiona, National President of the Alliance of Workers in the Informal Economy, who joins us from the Philippines.
5: Good afternoon.
9: babes No need to pay taxes, no regulations, no bureaucracy. You know, for some, the informal sector almost sounds like a a, a paradise. But what is the reality of life for informal workers and their families? And how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected them?
5: Mostly of the workers, generally the, the informal sector workers, like vendors, are largely unprotected socially. They are now largely unregistered in the national government agencies and even in the local government agencies that makes the absence or lack of of social protection from the government. They are the earned law, especially during the pandemic. No vendors were allowed to sell their products in the public markets. And even in in normal conditions, they cannot sell anywhere because they are already regulated now. And because there are plenty of workers competing with the, with the prices, largely they lose income or they do not profit at the end of the day. And they borrow money from loan sharks, and that makes them more vulnerable. And because they, there's, there's no regulation, they are always caught by policemen. Or in the Metro Manila, it is the Metro Manila Development Authority personnel and it's really hard they are they are they survive very hardly by loans by borrowing and they cannot even pay those market or those stocks coming from provinces because they can hardly sell also
9: during the pandemic, I, I was in a Starbucks in, in Bangkok a few weeks ago, and, th- and there must have been maybe fifteen delivery drivers from these these platform delivery drivers there waiting to pick up their orders and, and take them to their customers wherever they would be. It's, it's an incredible number, and it's obviously been been spurred by the by the COVID nineteen pandemic. But this this huge growth in, in the platform economy or the or the gig economy has taken place worldwide. Is, is this a good thing? For the move towards formalisation, is it like a magic bullet, which will, which will solve a lot of problems, or will it, does it come with its own uh, with its own challenges?
5: They can be both, if the government is very responsive. There are already laws in which this platform uh, workers can be covered, because I can see that there is an established employer-employee relationship between the restos, restaurants, for example, for those in the delivery of food. It's not good for the workers.
7: Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder.
10: This week, our Top story section included links to coverage of what one veteran Norwegian trade union leader has called the biggest attack on trade unions in Europe since the end of the Second World War. This week in Belarus, the leaders of independent trade unions, that is to say unions which do not parrot the policies of the Belarusian state, were arrested. Included in the sweep was a member of the Labor Start executive. All this in the context of the Russian invasion of Ukraine with support and assistance from Belarus. We also carried items about a long-running strike in the United Kingdom and why it is attracting so much support from the labor movement there and coverage of the arrest, detention and conviction to hard labor of Russian journalists accused of violating that country's ban on news of the invasion of Ukraine. But my favorite top story of the week was about the innovative ways in which the Building Workers International, the Global Union Federation for the Construction Sector, is using sports and sports stars to organize in solidarity with migrant workers around the world. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found stories about a potentially huge lawsuit in Canada against an airline accused of tolerating sexual assault by male employees against women workers more on the union campaign to end sexual harassment in South African mines, and the story behind a rise in the minimum wage for Indonesian domestic workers employed in Malaysia. A small sample of the stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week includes the first stories of the year about the annual global day of mourning for workers killed or injured on the job and a renewed push to have asbestos removed from all public buildings in the United Kingdom. One story many countries is how to describe the crisis amongst medical first responders around the world. Paramedics and ambulance workers around the globe are arguably experiencing a critical level of exhaustion. Our current photo of the week comes to us from one of Spain's most storied unions, the CNT, which recently launched a national campaign to organize building cleaners and domestic workers using the slogan, it's up to the cleaners to clean up bad practices. Among other things, the campaign aims to enforce reasonable hours of work and to end gender based harassment at work. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor.
7: And now here is the Australian folk singer Tim O'Brien singing We Belong to the Union.
11: You can Right and bust my face, scatter my rights all over the place, and take the bread from off my plate. But you can't break me. Lock me out, chain the gates, put black shirts in with dogs and mace. I'll hold the line, won't step away, cause you can't break me. I belong, you belong, we belong to the union. Don't count me out when I'm on the floor. We'll win. We've won before The streets will ring with a mighty roar Cause you can't break me Stocks rise up on workers' backs Profits soar while you hand out the sack Boardroom bullies bloated and fat But you can't break me Australia's sold to mates offshore Backroom deals and chunky lore. This day has come, we say no more You can't break me You belong, we belong to the Union I belong, you belong, we belong to the Union We won't turn away if you dare us to fight I swear I'll never lay down You can't break me. There's a warning here to the men in grey. The pipers come, it's time to pay. We're taking back what you stole away. Cause you can't break me. I belong, you belong, we belong to the union. I belong, you belong, we belong.
7: that's it. Labor news you can use. You can listen to our daily newscasts and features at radiolabor.net. I'm Mark Bellagio. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. That
4: was our uh, Radio Labor feature union and worker organizing news from all over the world remember everywhere you go throughout history all over the world workers are standing up they always have and they always will because the conditions that make them stand up are still with us as long as we have A capitalist-based economy where the boss is the owner and the owner is the boss. There will be people standing up to resist. Okay, let's see what we got. I've got a note here, Disney versus DeSantis. We'll have to go on with that. Mr. DeSantis has basically declared war on... Disneyland, Disney World in Florida. And the reason is that the Disney Corporation has taken a stand against a law which many people call Don't Say Gay. This is a law in Florida passed by the very conservative right-wing Florida legislature that makes it a crime to mention homosexuality, uh, homosexual relations, even the possibility of gay people uh, loving each other in Florida. The Disney Corporation took a stand against it. 80,000 people work for disney in florida and mr desantis has taken away or he and his legislature have taken away or want to take away the tax breaks that disney enjoys um Disney versus DeSantis. DeSantis is making a point to show that he can stand up to big business. Why is DeSantis fighting Disney? It's a warning to woke big business to stay out of culture wars. Now, Mr. DeSantis would have no problem at all if Disney World would back his initiatives against gay people. And Elon Musk believes that Woke mind and wokeness are threats to modern civilization. But all woke means is you look around and you see who's there for you and who isn't, who's taking. Let's see what Mr. DeSantis has got going on.
10: They also will be considering termination of all special districts that were enacted in Florida prior to 1968, and that includes the Reedy Creek Improvement District.
2: a place of probably a tremendous existential crisis during the whole pandemic which is when i wrote it i was sort of looking for a deeper meaning and i thought the best way to do that
4: conservatives are putting a price on woke capital it says and if they want to protect shareholder value they should stay out of the culture war that is shut up and play mickey mouse Okay? Just shut up, you know. We'll take care of all this. If we pass racist, sexist laws, that's our business, huh? You just have to follow the laws. Here's Vox, and Vox is saying the attack is obviously... obviously uh, violating the First Amendment, freedom of speech. As the Supreme Court said in Hartman versus Moore, 2006, official reprisal for protected speech offends the Constitution because it threatens to inhibit exercise of the protected right nor does it matter how the government retaliates against a person or business, who expresses an opinion that the government does not like any official retaliation against someone because they engage in First Amendment protected speech is unconstitutional. Disney denounced Florida's don't-say-gay-law, an unconstitutional law that allows parents to sue their local school district if topics such as sexual orientation or gender identity are mentioned in the classroom. It remains to be seen whether a federal judiciary dominated by Republican employees will strike the law down. Florida plans to strip Disney of an extraordinarily unusual benefit it receives from the state. Disney effectively functions as the primary landowner and the local government. Property taxes on non-Disney landowners in Florida's Orange County could go up by as much as 25%. Fewer Floridians and indeed few major companies receive this kind of benefit from the state. At any rate, watch this one now. Think of of it this way. Imagine that Jose owns a bar in Orlando. One day Jose tells the local paper that he dislikes Ron DeSantis and plans to vote for DeSantis' opponent in the upcoming election. The next day, the state sends him a letter informing him that because you disparaged our great governor, we are stripping your business of its liquor license. At any rate, well, let's see. Disney, Florida's second ranking government official, informed Bowling, is being targeted because it changed what they really espouse. Nunez complained that Disney used to support family values. And all of a sudden, family values don't. There's only one kind of family that, that has value. Ah, the war goes on, but now what DeSantis is gonna claim is that he will take on big business, but we'll see. People that take on big business in the U.S as a lot of leftists will tell you, have a long and hard road to go. At any rate, let's listen to a little gospel. God will open doors for you. The song says, when you can't see your way
12: and you feel that you've gone astray, doing all you know how to do, remember, God has not forgotten you. Hold your head up and be true to him, for he'll open doors for you.
13: Harry, good afternoon, this is Miss Tomlin at her switchboard. I ca- I cannot talk to the press now. I, th- I said I cannot talk to you now. Yes, the phone company is on strike. Everyone except the executives and me. I'll have that story for you when it's over. Well, in the meantime, just reprint the stories from our last strike and change the dates. <laughs> A gracious good afternoon, directory assistance, Miss Tomlin on the wire. The business office, that number for the business office is listed in your directory. You don't have a directory. Very well, I will switch you and the business office will supply you with one. Business office, Ms. Tomlin speaking. <laughs> a new directory? Certainly, they are issued free of charge to our subscribers. Simply flag down any repair truck and they'll throw one to you. <laughs> you, you need installation and repair service? Installation and repair service will be listed in your new directory. Can it wait till then? Very well, I will switch you. Just a moment. <laughs> Installation and repair service, Miss Tomlin speaking. Oh, just a moment, please. At the tone, the time will be 3.23 and 30 seconds. Ding dong. <laughs> Installation and repair again. Oh, by the way, your three minutes are up. Please deposit five cents for the next three minutes. Thank you. That box sounds pretty full, I'll have to get down there on my dinner break and empty it out. Now then, how may I help you in the midst of the worst strike in our history? A phone installed? Hold on and I'll check. Winds are from the northwest at 20 knots per hour, whatever the hell that means. Yes sir, I can give you a black wall model and a blue princess and install them myself tonight after work. Oops, just a second. President's office. No he is not. No he is not. In the glorious tradition of telephone company management, the president himself is out in a repair truck <laughs> guaranteeing service to the community. Very well, I'll switch you to customer relations. Hold on, please. Are you still there, black wall phone, blue princess? I'll be right back. Customer relations, Miss Tomlin at the duty desk. You've just been struck in the head by a directory? I bet you were standing by the side of the road waving your arms, weren't you? Well. How bad is it? Doesn't sound attractive. You better call an ambulance. Directory assistance will give you that number. Are you still holding blue princess? Five cents more. I'll be right back. Directory assistance, Miss Tomlin in the saddle. General hospital? Certainly, but that number is listed in your new directory, the one that just struck you in the head. Long distance, Miss Tomlin, EC. Madrid? Now, that certainly is a (laughs)
6: long-distance. (laughs) I just love
13: to do that. Are you still there, Blue Princess? Give me your name and address. Uh Uh-huh. Right, thank you. I'll be out first thing this evening and put those phones in. (laughs) President's office. (gasps) Oh, sir, it's you. No, no messages. Oh, but listen, Chief, you've got to be careful where you aim those directories. (laughs) You winged a woman over here on the south side pretty badly today. No. No, I I don't think anyone knows that it was you. (laughs) Well, I'll see you when you check in. (laughs) Times, give me the city desk. (laughs) City desk, this is Ernestine Tomlin at the telephone company. You know, I think I've got that big story you've been waiting for. I'll be here all afternoon. Be sure you bring a photographer. (laughs) Gracious good afternoon, dial a prayer. Miss Tomlin in the pulpit. (laughs) One-ringy-dingy. Is this Mr. Hoover? Mis- Mr. Jedgar Hoover? <laughs> Good. Then, then I have reached the party to whom I am speaking. Mr. Hoover, this is Miss Tomlin from the telephone company. It is my duty, Mr. Hoover, to discuss with you some of the abuses of your instrument. <laughs> yes yes it it does sound rather un-american doesn't it now then mr hoover i have your file here before me oh yes i'm sure that you have a file on me too after all turnabout is fair play yes it does sound perverted now now then Mr. Hoover, I have a delicate problem. I find that you and your agents have indulged in the illegal and unfair practice of wiretapping. Wiretapping. Oh, Mr. Hoover, listening to other people's conversations. Oh, how do I know from listening to your calls? That's how I know. Oh no, Mr. Hoover, don't be rude. I'll make a loud noise into my mouthpiece and perhaps deafen you for life. Now, Mr. Hoover, may I ask, do you have a telephone directory handy? Good. Let us turn to page VIII and recite in unison. It is a crime under both federal and state law to use a telephone for annoying or harassing purposes or to knowingly permit a phone under one's control to be used for such purposes. This includes calls in which the caller remains silent, etc., etc., et cetera, et cetera, Oh, you do know the law, Mr. Hoover. Now, <laughs> Jedgar, listen, is there anybody at your place listening in? Everybody, good. Let's get right to the nitty-gritty. There's absolutely no reason for your people to skulk about, electronically speaking. You, you can get all the information you need from us. <laughs> Probably a lot more accurately, too. <laughs> Good. Good, then we will be in touch. Oh, and Mr. Hoover, before you go, I must tell you how much I admire your vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Hello? Mr. Hoover? Well, why do you suppose he got so huffy? I was just being complimentary. Everybody knows there's nothing like a Hoover when you're dealing with dirt.
4: The Ronstadt. Back in the USA, the Chuck Berry hit. Anything you want, we got it right here in the USA. So now, have we decided that Disney is on the right side for once? <laughs> they used to push for family values, but. What Governor DeSantis is saying is that gay people can't have families. They can't be openly gay and have families. They definitely can't talk about being gay. They, it sounds like you can't even say there's such a thing as gay people. And <clears throat> talk about putting your head in the sand. Can it win? Can someone like DeSantis pull it off? Um, No. Not in the minds of the everyday people walking around. But that doesn't seem to matter. What Republicans are masters of doing is to win the abstract vote. That is... The Supreme Court is an abstraction of all the people in the United States. The legislature is an abstraction. If there was a vote in, in the United States, if there was a, a vote that said, should gay people have equal rights with everyone else, straight people, there'd be no question the vote would win, just like the votes would win for single-payer health, for health coverage for everyone. And and so many of these causes, so many of these things that we talk about, bilingual education, should children understand what the teacher's saying to them? Well, of course they should. (laughs) How are they going to study if... If they can't understand what's being told to them, there are a lot of issues like that. But what Republicans do, uh, their modus operandi, is to win the abstraction, to rule the abstraction, the committee, the legislature, the court. Not the democracy, not the democratic vote of all eligible voters. They're against that. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, It's been the experience, my experience and the experience of a lot of us that if you take on big business, you're going to lose. Will the Florida legislature vote for it? Sure. But how about the people of Florida? And how about people all around the world? Okay. We had uh, Lily Tomlin, two from Lily Tomlin, who has continued her career now with uh, Frankie and Grace, with Jane Fonda, big hit on. The uh, see I'm not sure which one but one of the big TV uh, companies and um, she was talking about a strike at the phone company and holding it all together on her own and then she got into something a little more sinister Mr. Hoover listening to your Conversations. When it comes to dirt, there's nothing like a Hoover, she says. Okay, and then uh, Linda Ronstadt with uh, anything you want, we got it right here in the USA. Retaliation can't stop growing Starbucks Union. Let's get to that after a short break some piano jazz Okay, we're back. Uh, <clears throat> that's a nice little uh, CD of piano jazz. The only title I can get from it is "Unwind." So easily we have uh, kind of blue, the uh, classic Miles Davis album, "Kind of Blue." Okay, let's see what's going on with uh, Starbucks and Amazon, two of the biggest corporations in the world, facing the possibility of unionization. So far, over 200 Starbucks stores across the country have filed for union elections. The 25 of the 27 that have voted so far choosing to join Starbucks Workers United. That includes the union going five for five yesterday in elections at stores in Richmond, Virginia. <clears throat> 25 of the 27 that have voted so far. Starbucks has responded to the organizing campaign by firing a growing number of union supporters over spurious charges. In Raleigh, North Carolina, days before her store was set to vote, barista and organizer Gilman, Sharon Gilman, was fired for misuse of company property. A dishwashing sink fell off the wall while she was using it. An Ann Arbor shift supervisor and union supporter, Hannah Whitbeck, was fired April 11th for leaving a barista in the store unattended for 10 minutes after she clocked out of her shift. Starbucks alleged she was in violation of safety and security standards and failed to communicate adequately. In Overland Park, Kansas, Starbucks fired three workers in eight days. SW members U members, responded by going on strike, shuttering the store for several days. Layla Dalton, a union leader in Phoenix, predicted her own firing on Twitter before it happened when she was notified that two district managers would be visiting her store that day. In Buffalo, where the union drive began, Danny Rojas is the latest to be fired, following the firing of Cassie Fleischer, which the company denied in a note sent to workers across the country, only to be contradicted by Fleischer's own recording of the meeting. In early April, National Labor Relations Board regional director said the agency would issue a complaint against Starbucks for the illegal firing of the Memphis Seven, seven workers who were terminated in early February in the midst of the organizing drive. former ceo howard schultz is returning to the top spot in the country's in the company's personnel in an all-staff meeting schultz claimed that companies throughout the country are being assaulted in many ways by the threat of unionization companies now who's the company Hey, here we go again with this ownership theory. Who's the company? Is it the people who do the work every day and earn the money? The company's top lawyer, Rachel Gonzalez, is also stepping down. The company posted job listings for a lead lawyer to head up labor relations strategies. Company says it's looking for someone with significant experience managing strike contingency planning. Outgoing CEO Kevin Johnson got 600 million from this company out the door. Gonzalez will be collecting 8 million as she leaves. 60 million, 8 million. Meanwhile, Starbucks workers aren't waiting for the NLRB to issue rulings or tally ballots to fight for their rights on the job. Workers in several cities, including Denver, Seattle, Overland Park, Ithaca, and Buffalo, have struck. These have not just been over firings of union supporters, but also over issues like understaffing, cuts to hours, and spying on union supporters. One of these is the first store to unionize Elmont Avenue in Buffalo, which has been in bargaining with the union since January 31st. They're pushing for just cause Better health and safety provisions and better wages and benefits. Ladies and gentlemen, Starbucks is giving out $68 million to two people. Check it out. This is on the Real News Network page. $68 million dollars plus millions they're going to spend on anti union campaigns. Companies under attack. By whom? Their own employees. Retaliation, huh? All right, let's look at Amazon. And respect for people who bust their neck. That's why I created the White House Task Force on Worker Organization Empowerment to make sure the choice to join a union
14: belongs to workers alone. And by the way, (laughs) by the way, Amazon, here we come.
4: Called on Congress to finally pass the PRO Act and send it to my
6: desk.
4: Okay, well, there's Mr. Biden
3: signaling his support for Amazon. It's hard to control security in the cloud. With Sysdig, you can detect vulnerabilities risky configs, unusual behavior, and threats. a bill on open source, Sysdig provides visibility to confidently run in the cloud.
4: Amazon labor guns for second win.
12: The Georgia legislature passed a bill that would allow the GBI to investigate elections and review election fraud instead of the Secretary of State's office.
9: So this law change gives original jurisdiction, as it would in a criminal case, to the GBI statewide, and they can come in, as they did in Brunswick, Georgia, in the uh, Aubrey -Aubrey murder case, without being requested to come in by the governor's office or by law.
4: Okay, let's see what we got here. Workers at Amazon will begin voting on unionization Monday, less than a month after a warehouse in the borough. Became the first of the e commerce giants' U.S. locations to unionize. Now, why is this happening? Okay, why is this happening? Is this happening because there are a bunch of people who are socialists and communists and who believe in, you know, a socialist or communist. Government, economic system? Probably. There are some. Is it because uh, the organizers are super strong and can out argue anyone? Probably not. They're being outspent by millions of dollars by anti union propaganda and companies, lawyers. It's because of their living conditions, of what's called their material living conditions. Not making enough money, not being able to support their families, not being able to support themselves in any kind of dignified way. All these people in Amazon, in Starbucks, and everywhere... The teachers, the people who are standing up, it's because of their material living conditions. They need to make more money. They need to have better working conditions. They need to be treated better on their job. They need to be appreciated and their labor to be appreciated in terms of money, in terms of working conditions. After the unprecedented victory in the company's first Staten Island Union election, a warehouse known as JFK8, the Amazon Labor Union, is hoping for a similar result at the LDJ5 facility. A win at LDJ5 could further prove the viability of the worker-led union and secure key protections the facilities workers. Amazon may stand to lose more than just a vote. Consecutive wins for campaigns it has poured hundreds of thousands of dollars into defeating could diminish its perception as an all-power, all-powerful employer and spark more organizing. The nation campaign to unionize Starbucks stores has shown just how quickly union wins can snowball even before the first contract is signed. Roughly five months after the first union victory at one of the coffee chains U.S. locations, more than 200 other stores have petitioned for elections. A second victory would be more damaging to Amazon than a loss would be damaging to the Amazon labor union, said John Logan, director of labor and employment studies at San Francisco State University College of Business. One of the biggest differences between a facility where the ALU notched its first win is the size of their respective workplaces. The LDJ facility houses roughly 1,500 workers, far less than more than 8,000 who work across the street at JFK 8. The size difference means both the union and Amazon have been able to tailor their approaches more narrowly to individual workers. Momentum seems to be on the side of the union, which secured a win by more than 500 votes at JFK 8. The timing may also play into Amazon's favor, though. The unexpected loss in the first vote was likely a wake-up call for the company. Amazon paid up to $20,000 a week to union avoidance consultants to be at the facility. All ALU organizers say Amazon has hired anti-union consultants as full-time staff the e-commerce giants has overwhelmed workers with messaging in the form of posters videos and text messages at these locations it has also relied heavily on anti-union meetings during work hours a tactic called captive audience meetings that the NLRB's general counsel has moved to ban. Same union anti-union tactics it used to both at both JFK 8 and a facility in Bessemer, Alabama. Okay. Moving on. They're playing really dirty. Amazon lashes back at Staten Island warehouses. We went this, we talked about this one last week and they're playing really dirty. They've been condoning bigotry to drive a wedge between us workers. They're spreading lies about Chris Smalls, racist Racist-tinged attacks on Smalls. They say he's not smart. He's been pretty smart so far. Trying to undermine women. Anti-union workers have been throwing homophobic slurs at us. It's a war in there. Amazon paid out 4.3 million last year to union busters. Whose job is psyops, lying and distorting facts. Men named Martin J. Levitt, a former anti union consultant, wrote in his book, Confessions of a Union Buster a campaign against a union is an assault on individuals and a war on the truth. The only way to bust a union is to lie, distort, manipulate, threaten, and always attack, wrote Martin J. Levitt. At any rate, one worker got up at one of the meetings. If I vote for the union, could that be held against me? Could I be fired? union buster wouldn't answer the question. He just kept going around in circles. No, you cannot be fired for signing a union card. It's against the law. I'm not a firing type, Kathleen Cole says, but that's just wrong. To be honest with you, if they were fair and neutral in these meetings, I probably never would have gotten involved. Out of workers are still undecided. Well, why you know why is Amazon willing to spend all this money? What is it they don't like? What can it be? Okay, let's play a little music. We just have a guest walk in.
12: further I would like to send a message to all the underground MC's out there working hard the time has come to realize your net worth in the market and stop being a fucking commodity and if you didn't understand what I just said then you already waiting to get fucked for example a lot of these promoters are doing showcases throwing events and not even paying the workhorses they trying to get us to rock for the love of hip-hop or rock for the exposure Uh, Look, man, I don't mind doing a guest spot for my peeps or or doing a benefit show. But don't lie to me, pussy, because I find out I'm paying your light bill. I'm fucking you up, nigga. Besides, you ain't doing this for the love. You ain't doing this for the exposure. You charging up to $10 at the door, and you ain't trying to give me shit? So wait a minute. You want me to go shopping, cook the food, and put it in front of you, but you won't let me sit down to eat with you? The fuck is that? Niggas need to start playing their position, man Just cause you throw a party, or host an event Or an open mic, or a showcase, or a battle That don't make you important at all Without me, and everybody like me out there You ain't nothing but a good idea, motherfucker So stay in your place And to all these bitch ass a and Who are too lazy to come up with a way to sell records So they keep recycling marketing schemes and imagery There's a market for everything, man. There's a market for pet psychologists, nigga. There's a market for twisted shit fetish videos, for nipple rings, for river dancing, for chocolate-covered roaches. But you can't find one for cultured, hardcore reality and hip-hop? People like you, the house nigga executives, and them rich motherfuckers that own you, you the motherfucking machine, man. You and all these niggas talking about the same shit with the same flow over the same candy-ass beats. But I refuse to feed the machine, and I'm not giving any magazine money. So maybe my album won't get five mics or double excels or five discs or whatever, man. Fuck it. But then again, you don't own me, and none of you niggas ever will. If I'm feeling what you fight for...
15: Charlie Parker looked like Buddha. Charlie Parker, who recently died laughing at a juggler on TV after weeks of strain and sickness, was called the perfect musician. And his expression on his face was as calm, beautiful, and profound as the image of the Buddha represented in the East. The lidded eyes. The expression that says, all is well. This was what Charlie Parker said when he played, all is well. He had the feeling of early in the morning, like a hermit's joy. or Like the perfect cry of some wild gang at a jam session, wail, whop! Charlie burst his lungs to reach the speed of what the speedsters wanted, and what they wanted was his eternal slowdown. A great musician and a great creator of forms that ultimately find expression in mores and what have you. Musically as important as Beethoven, yet not regarded as such at all, a genteel conductor of string orchestras, in front of which he stood proud and calm, like a leader of music in the great historic world night, and wailed his little saxophone, the alto, with piercing clear lament, in perfect tune and shining harmony, toot, as listeners reacted without showing it, and began talking, and soon the whole joint is rocking and talking, and everybody talking, and Charlie Parker, whistling them on to the brink of eternity with his Irish St. Patrick patoodle stick. And like the holy miss, we blop and we plop in the waters of slaughter and white meat and die one after one in time. And how sweet a story it is when you hear Charlie Parker tell it, either on records or at sessions, or at official bits and clubs, shots in the arm for the wallet, Gleefully, he whistled the perfect horn. Anyhow, it made no difference. Charlie Parker, forgive me. Forgive me for not answering your eyes, for not having made an indication of that which you can devise. Charlie Parker, pray for me. Pray for me and everybody. In the nirvanas of your brain, where you hide, indulgent and huge no longer charlie parker with a secret unsayable name that carries with it merit not to be measured from here to up down east or west charlie parker lay the bane off me and everybody
2: Mutiny Radio in San Francisco
4: Thank you very much that was our guest MC Soline Herrera letting you know that you're listening to Mutiny Radio and we just heard um, Guantanamera a Los Lobos Great band from the L.A. area, and then we had a Mortal Technique with a uh, with a uh, well, it was laced with profanity, so we cut that one a little short. Finally, we ended up with Jack Kerouac backed up by Steve Allen with Charlie Parker, and that's when you heard. Solina, so Solina, do you have anything you want to say? mm Okay, I wish you'd say a couple of things. Like what? Like where do you go to school?
0: I go to school at St. Peter's.
4: You go to St. Peter's? Okay, and what grade are you in? Second. Oh, I see. And when you go to St. Peter's, do you do music? Yeah. Oh, what kind of music do you do at St. Peter's? So, like
2: sometimes we, we do rhymes. We're doing we rhymes.
4: Rhymes, huh?
2: With Wyoming right
4: now? No, well, that's pretty good. Okay, is there anything you want to say to everybody on the who's listening on the radio? Anything? No.
2: Okay, I don't
4: know. Okay. Thank you very much for coming in. I'm so okay. that was Solina Herrera, our Herrera. our uh, guest M C. Let's take a look now at labor history in 20 minutes. And I don't see it, so I'll have to get it up. Labor history in two minutes. Ida Mae (laughs) Stuhl.
14: The year was 1980. That was the day that Ida Mae Stahl passed away. She was widely considered to be the first woman coal miner in United States history. As a little girl, other school children teased her for having a twisted leg. She left school and instead went into the mines with her father, an Ohio coal miner. Ida Mae was just six years old. She continued to mine even though Ohio law prohibited women from working in the mines. In 1934, a federal inspector came to the mine where she was working. According to Ida May, other women miners hid because they knew he was coming, but she had no intention of hiding. Instead, she loaded up her coal cart with rotten eggs and threw them at the inspector. She chased him out of the mine and pelted his car with rotten eggs for good measure. The eggs did not stop her from being kicked out of the mines, however, so Ida May took her case to the courts where she won the right to return to work because she was actually part owner of the mine. In an interview with a newspaper reporter, Ida May explained her fight to return to coal mining by saying, I've got no business baking cookies and mending clothes, I'm a coal miner. In the same interview, She declared, I can load five tons a day with pick and shovel, and that's as much as any man in the mines can do. She went on to mine for 10 more years. In 1978, the Chicago Tribune called on Ida May for an interview. She declared to the reporter, ain't no man or woman alive that can beat me down. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on the Twitters at Labor History in Two. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 2011. That was the day the labor movement lost one of its most poignant voices. Hazel Dickens was born in Mercer County, West Virginia in 1935. It was coal country. Hazel grew up knowing the life of a mining community. She was one of 11 children. Her brothers worked in the mines. One of her sisters worked cleaning the house of a mine supervisor. Her father was a Baptist preacher with a booming singing voice. Hazel inherited her father's talent for song. In the 1960s, she broke into the male-dominated world of bluegrass with her singing partner, Alice Gerard. At the time, they were one of the few women acts on the bluegrass circuit. In the years that follow, Hazel struck out on her own as a solo act. Many of her original songs spoke about the coal mining life she knew growing up in Mercer County. She wrote Black Lung for her oldest brother, who died from the disease. Her songs became part of some of the most iconic labor films ever made. Her song, They'll Never Keep Us Down, was the anthem for the Oscar-winning documentary Harlan County, USA. Another song, Hills of Galilee, was the feature in the film Matawan. Both films told the stories of coal mining strikes. Hazel often sang at union rallies and at benefits for miners and their families. Her obituary, published in The Washington Post, quoted music historian Charles Wolfe. He said her singing has not only that high, lonesome sound, but you can hear the pain and anguish and the anger in it. It is absolutely heartfelt and sincere.
16: United we stand.
14: Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two this day in labor history, the year was 1894. The nation was in the grips of depression. Unemployment soared. Workers' wages and hours were cut dramatically in virtually every industry. Coal miners were especially hard hit. At a meeting in Columbus, Ohio, the United Mine Workers of America called for a nationwide strike. Even though the union had only about 20,000 official members, more than six times that many walked off the job. The strike stretched from Washington state to Alabama to the Appalachian coal fields. Violent skirmishes broke out when scab workers attempted to enter the mines and replace the striking miners. One such example occurred near Uniontown, Pennsylvania, where armed guards killed five striking workers and wounded eight more. In five states, the militia was called out due to the unrest. Where the strikers were not able to turn away the scab labor, they employed a different tactic. They attempted to stop the delivery of the mined coal. In Illinois, for example, striking miners piled railroad ties and other debris on the railroad tracks to stop the coal trains from running. This interference with the trains meant that the federal government had the justification it needed to enter the struggle. A U.S. judge ordered an end to stopping train traffic. The New York Times declared the power of the federal government being behind the writ, all the force necessary to move the train will be used. The strike stretched on for weeks, but in the end, the strikers could not combat the coal mine owners, local militias, hired security, and scab labor. The strike was broken. The United Mine Workers faced a severe setback to their organizing that was not overcome for more than two decades. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to
4: Okay, that was our labor history in two minutes, and it's time for us to get out of here right now and leave you to the tender mercies of flat black plastic, my buddy Scott Walker. <laughs> this is the B letting you know that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. You don't have a seat at the table. A negotiating table that is. You're on the menu. Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of and labor. Those
16: men could stand. The mines was his and we'll go out with
6: Hazel Dickens.
16: But Black lungs done got him, his time is night. Black lung, black lung, you're just biding your time Soon all this suffering I'll leave behind But I can't help but wonder what God Mind to sin, such a devil, to claim this soul of mine.
1: International banking, diplomatic cables, nuclear missile launch codes, all rely on unbreakable encryption. What if these codes were no longer secure? That nightmare scenario seems to be a reality. A shadowy underworld syndicate is auctioning off access to the world's encrypted secrets. The only plausible explanation for this ability? Someone has achieved the holy grail of code breaking quantum computing. Veteran CIA agent John Clooney must track down the perpetrators and retrieve this technology for the US government and its personal, as the Enigma brokers have already cost the lives of his fellow agents, perhaps including his partner. John Wessex's The Enigma Brokers is the first book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon.
2: Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? That's what I'm saying. It's the joke workshop Mondays, six to eight p.m at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Four
16: ninety-nine.
13: I was just leaving the theater.
1: (laughs) 1969 gold Cadillac with the white material, I drove it up here.
13: And I started to do
1: some thinking. on the freeway, and I'm a really, really good time. Flat black classic, making big splits and cruising Saturday and too. On the freeway, good I
6: am I'm a total, total friendly, see. Voice is absolutely
17: right. I am <laughs> an
6: adolescent. And I will cut
17: and the shit. Henry, yeah. Charlie here, yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Hulahan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh the dude minds, man.
1: Has John Clooney's friend and ally become a dangerous enemy? Private investigator Anton Gruber has been CIA agent John Clooney's trusted aide. Clooney may have questioned Gruber's taste in cuisine but never his loyalty until Gruber double-crossed him. Escaping with his life, Cluny is sidelined while his superior attempts to discover how Gruber was compromised. The investigation delves into Gruber's astonishing past, from his unpleasant days as an East German border guard to life as a narcotics agent, from his time in the tango clubs of Buenos Aires to a trip up the Amazon in search of Nazi gold. John Wessex The Prague Deception is the third book of the John.
17: Here hey, you
9: don't know hey, Ian here. Stolowitz here. We ever listened to Labor and no Love word. on Saturday mornings, ten to noon, with Bill Morgan. It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about sur-
18: Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission, a leather working shop. All original pieces, handcrafted for you, jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed, you want it in cool leather, Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff, talk to Under. Go to SkinOnSkins.com, that's S-K-I-N-O-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. You just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather, go see Under. Everything is handcrafted and understated quality. Fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs. He also does fixes. Maybe you love that jacket. He'll put the zipper back in. Talk to Under at skinonskins.com at 20th and Mission. Check him out at skinonskins.com. <laughs>
0: volunteer
6: for the